You are tuned into another edition of World of Noise. I'm your host, DJ Bob Ham. Each week on the show, we shine the audio spotlight on the people making music in Portland and the people who support those music makers. On this week's show, we are taking a look back. Yes, as we've reached the end of 2019, it's that time when music fans start to suss out what albums and artists defined the year that has come to an end. And we are no exception here on X-Ray. A lot of the shows on the air over the past couple of weeks have been taking stock of the year that was, and we're going to do the very same right here on World of Noise. We're going to do things a little differently here on the show, though. For one, we are going to only focus on those albums released in 2019 by Portland artists, and... I'm not going to be the one making the selections. I've invited two equally voracious listeners and fans of local music to do that for me. This week on the show, I'm joined by Cervante Pope, a fantastic journalist and critic whose work has graced the pages of Willamette Week, Kerrang! and Portland Monthly. And we'll hear from DJ JBJ, who you surely already know from his show Hello Cruel World, which airs right here on X-Ray every Thursday at 3 p.m. I've asked them to each pick their three favorite Portland releases of 2019. And they came back with a perfectly eclectic mix that includes some hip hop, sleek indie rock, heavy industrial jams, and a pointedly political record from a singer songwriter who has been part of the Portland scene for decades. And naturally, our conversations about the record spun off in a variety of different directions that I think summed up the state of the Portland music scene in 2019 very well. All that and more on this best of 2019 edition of World of Noise right here on X-Ray FM where radio is yours. Stay tuned. So as I said in the intro, I'm joined in studio by Cervante Pope, a uh, writer for Willamba Week, Kerrang! and as well as Mixed Down Magazine in Los Angeles, and DJ JBJ, John Jones of Hello Cruel World right here on X-Ray FM. Thank you both for being here to talk about the year in music. Yeah. Yeah, thanks for having us. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So uh, as I asked you to do, I asked you to pick your three favorite local albums to talk about. Mm-hmm. And we're just going to go around and around here talking about one record apiece to start off with. And I want to start off with you Cervante and which one do you want to start off with let's ladies choice okay uh, and I'm going to start with some ladies too I'm choosing Blackwater Holy Light Veils of Winter excellent it is their sophomore release and it is quite amazing
So, um, were you familiar with this band, like their first album as well? Yeah. Well, and I've uh, written about most of their individual projects before Blackwater Holy Light even started. Mm. And I know a few of them personally. So when they did this, like, stoner, psych, doom metal band, I was super stoked on it because that's my preferred genre <laughs> I guess you could say sure uh, I do indulge in some fun extracurriculars so this makes for a great soundtrack for that <laughs> <laughs> yeah a fascinating uh, band and record I, I think it's one of those bands I don't know how you feel about the Cervantes you follow the metal scene here in mm-hmm. town and around the world but it feels like there was a, a, a period uh, about a decade ago maybe a little less where there was um the heavy rock scene is getting a lot of shine from publications around the world with, you know, uh, Witch Mountain at that at that time mm-hmm. and Yob and Red Fang, their first couple of records and things like that. It feels like it's tapered off a little bit in that way. And it feels like hearing a band like this and knowing that that sound is still prevalent here in town is a really wonderful thing. I don't know if you have the same feelings about I this. I do have that same feeling. and. It's nice for me to like see them be able to like tour around and do these things with like Monolord and Thou and these really big like kind of quintessential metal bands mm-hmm. that I've been fans of for years. And then, you know, these are just they're my homies and then I see them like going to Europe and just doing all this amazing stuff. But I feel I agree with what you're saying about the metal scene because I try and think of other metal bands that are out here that are playing right now that kind of do that same thing. And like Usnia comes to mind and I'm trying to think of a few more and I know that there are, but it's just not as... It's not the way that it used to be. Sure. Yeah. There's bands like Will that's out there right now. Yeah. And Alter is another one that I really like. yeah. Yeah. So there is still that scene, but it's a little more in the underground anymore. We're still getting a lot of great touring acts coming through, but I don't think the Portland scene has really... I don't know. It hasn't really hit the heights that it did just about a decade ago, maybe less than that. But, you know, I think it's, you know, it's one of those cyclical things. It'll come back up. There'll be some young bands that'll come out of this and really take off. Well, now I'm wondering, too, like where they're going to be playing at with like venues that are just like closing down because. Very true. That like Tonic Lounge was really the my main venue for that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's central. It had really great sound. The mood and the vibe was awesome. And now I'm just like, oh, okay, I guess I'll go all the way up to like high water mark. Yeah. I'll make the trek. That is kind of the home for that sound yeah. right now. Yeah. JBJ, let's move on to one of your picks now, one of your top three Portland records of the year. Yeah, you have Fernando queued up. Do you want me, I mean, I see that on there. Do you want me to talk about Fernando? Yeah, let's talk about the Fernando <laughs> album. I'm looking at it right now. Trainer's <laughs> Table is the name of the album. I was brought here as a child. this gentleman has released a, a lot yeah a lot uh he moved to portland in, in the 90s i want to say from from los angeles uh he uh, emigrated here when he was young from argentina i love the story behind this record which is that um his he and his musical partner luther russell 
Luther lives in Los Angeles. Fernando f- flew down there uh, with nothing, nothing written at all, nothing in his back pocket, oh, no, I didn't know no that. nothing. He swears up and down he had nothing when he showed up at Luther's. And over the course of six days, they made this record together on a four track. Wow. Yeah. It, it sounds it, like a four track record, but that's not a bad thing, I don't think. I guess I don't know enough about, I guess I haven't recorded enough on four tracks because it does, <laughs> it sounds really good to it my does. ears. It yeah. does. But there's, there's sort of a raw, um, I want to say hissy sound. There's a sound to it though that just sounds like a little more lo-fi than some of his records in the past. It is, uh, it is simple, and but I think it, it works in terms of the urgency of the kind of things that that Fernando's singing about. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's the the one of the bigger things we should talk about with this record is the subject matter because as you said, he didn't he didn't went down there with no uh, preconceived ideas, but it, Yeah, it, I I'm assuming that he had an idea of what he wanted to, to talk about with this record. Yeah, I mean it was in the air, just the conversation about uh, you know, immigration and about feeling uh, disconnected from one's homeland and um, the struggles that a lot of people who move here from other parts of the world, especially from, you know, Latin and South America, deal with on a daily basis and how much worse it's gotten over the last three years. I'll just say up front that I'm I'm a sucker for any anti-Trump records. Uh, when <laughs> Amen. I was, Who is it? When, <laughs> when I was, uh, when I was uh, a high schooler and had no clue about politics or anything, I was listening to Wasted Youth and Circle Jerks and you know going on and on about Reagan. Right now, like I'm finally. I'm finally at an age where I understand what's going on. And yes, there's a soundtrack for those of you who want to, you know, rail against the man. And uh, it's, you know, it seems like it's much worse than, than back then when yeah. I was a kid and didn't understand anything. And this record is helps me get through my days. Yeah. And, uh, Fernando's voice has never sounded better. And the, the writing, like, uh, yeah, I'm I'm all in on this record. And yeah. the, the subject matter, the, the record starts with this track called Division Lines and just, you know, just talking about how it's just, just straight down the middle. Right. You know, there's, there's no, it's just. There's no gray area yeah, anymore. Exactly. It's all black and white. Yeah. yeah. This, I think, opens up an interesting topic of conversation we could all get into about mm-hmm. um, the state of music right now. Let me backtrack a little bit by, you know, when Trump got elected, I think there was a bunch of people who thought like this, if any positive comes out of this, it'll be the sound of music in a couple of years once he starts, you know, getting his policies enacted and starts digging in into the evil that we've been seeing um and i think we have been seeing that in in some cases uh especially on a national level but do you, do you think there's any other local bands that are really like making sending these messages saying these important things i'm not the I'm help put everybody that, on the spot that help here seven inch comes to mind yeah that help record that was a very that was uh, the band featuring uh, Boone Ben Ditson, Boone Howard, yeah. and Ryan Neighbors yeah. from uh, 
What it, Portugal what? the Man? No, Hustle and Drunk. Yes, there you go. There and it is. Yeah, and that's a perfect example because that was like, you know, they were at a, a Mets concert and just realizing, like, you know, all of our bands are great, but we need something like aggressive, this. Aggressive. Yeah. And yeah. to really, you know, let this, you know, anger that so many of us are feeling out. is weird because you know i don't listen to much hardcore anymore like yeah so you know i talked about listening to hardcore when i was a kid growing up and that's the ideal music to you know rail against the man yeah so again we're talking about our favorite records of 2019 i'm joined by savante pope a writer for willamette week and kerrang and dj jbj of hello cruel world right here on x-ray fm savante you are up next what is your second oh my uh (laughs) i'm gonna go super harsh there's this this duo out here called At the Heart of the World. And this is their debut LP. I think they've just had like an EP before that and a couple of singles, but mm-hmm. it's called Reaching Perfection, Tasting Death. years I, there's been like this kind of um like surge of bands that are heavily industrial but also like mixing in bits of like i would say almost death metal mm-hmm. a little bit and i think of like youth code and uniform and bands like that and they're kind of like portland's uniform i would say sure at the heart of the world is and i saw them one time at um Gail's Speakeasy, just like that bar that's over by the Mr. Formal building wow. on like 7th. Right. <laughs> yeah. the, cra- the craziest yeah. place to see them. <laughs> I was going to say. And they look like just so like unassuming. And then, you know, they get up there and it's just like every amount of anger that you've ever felt in your life, you can hear in this record, I feel like. And in their past singles, too. Like there's this song that really gets to me called Drown in Duras. It's the kind of track that, for me, as someone that listens to a lot of angry music generally, it's nice to have a little bit of an electronic beat because I can dance while also still being angry. Well, let's move on to uh, JBJ's second pick. What do you have for your album number two for one of your favorite records from Portland in 2019? Yeah, I want to talk about Strangled Darlings. Yes, please do. Yeah, American Pageant is their uh, most recent record. 
Again, that's, uh, I find the story behind this record so interesting, which is uh, born and raised in Oregon. Both of them lived in Oregon all their lives and um, were kind of just, they called it the liberal bubble. They just wanted to get out of the liberal bubble and uh, they, uh, they rented out their home. They bought an RV and uh, they left Portland in 2016 and like they just barely got home but uh, they've been on the road the entire time oh my goodness and um, and just living hand to mouth and spending nights in Walmart parking lots is where they they uh, figured out was like the best, best place to sleep the best place to mm-hmm. sleep yeah. was in Walmart parking lots but uh, winters winters are rough the uh there's no heating in these things, so overnight, Oof. you know. So, yeah. So then, you know, they figured out staying staying in in the south is best in the winter time, and then in the okay. summer they they'd uh, go up in Vermont. The whole idea was to uh, get a, a uh, maybe a deeper, wider breadth of experience, the American experience. Yeah. Right. And um, that you know that that's the title, American pageant. Um, I've interviewed them a few times. This is probably their th- third or fourth record. Right. Uh, they were always kind of uh, the frontman George Veach, always kind of a uh, kind of a trickster agent provocateur kind of <laughs> kind of <laughs> attitude. You know, like uh, if he was standing behind me, I'm pretty sure that he'd be doing the rabbit ears behind me. <laughs> uh, and and you see some of that wryness come out in in uh, in in the subject matter, but the subject matter they're talking about is, uh, to my mind, is so much comes so much more from from the heart because it's stuff that they're actually living through and observed. And yeah, they didn't avoid any of the red states. I mean, they kind of they kind of thrust themselves in there, and they they've really walked the walk in the past three years, and. Uh, to to write an album about everything that they've seen and experienced during that time is pretty pretty powerful. Another thing that Strangled Darlings gets into is the you know the Me Too movement mm-hmm. with their song Oh Mercy. This is uh, subtitled Harvey Weinstein. Yeah, Harvey Weinstein's children are a capital offense, and they'd like to kill him, but their mothers on the fence. Beauty, I dropped some diamonds in her hand. Some forgotten booty from the second Neverland. And the, but there's some still some little wry little yeah, digs yeah. in there. That's that's George's way, but you know. Uh, the fact that they're one of the songs is about Harvey Weinstein. That you know that should tell you something. Yeah. Did you interview them about this record? On your show, or? I did. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Did they acknowledge the the thing that's sticking in my head about this record that they did they acknowledge the sort of privilege that they have in doing being able to do what they did? And I don't just mean the ability to pay for a trip around the country in a van, but I think you know, as to white musicians, it would it they were in a pretty privileged state where mm-hmm. any person of color trying to do that going into the red oh, states yeah. 
that would be a really dangerous proposition. Yeah. I don't yeah. know if they. I don't know if they mentioned that it, at all. It, yeah, it didn't come up in the in the course of that interview. Fair enough. I'm so glad that you are a writer and that you, <laughs> that you host a podcast and a radio show for these follow up. Yeah. Interviews. <laughs> they're 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 back in town now, so. I should, maybe I'll sure, get them I'm on sure the show and welcome, talk to them about it. I'm yeah. sure they'd welcome uh, the chance to to talk about that. Yeah. As privileged white people. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I love that you brought that up, though, because that's something that I think about a lot um, in interviewing artists out here and also being close to artists of color and white artists out here, mm-hmm. you know? And I feel like I more often see <laughs> my white musician friends, I guess, going on all these tours and all of these random places where even you may not even think that their genre would be like they would have a turnout right you know but then i look at our hip-hop scene which is predominantly black and i don't really see a lot of them going on tour but even so it's like with the state of how the world is and how the country is right now like would they even be able to go as far as wide reaching as some of these other artists are yeah yeah you know and i feel like i don't hear a lot of people talking about that yeah. It's it's really interesting, and I I have been thinking about the hip hop scene here in town a lot, mm-hmm. and thinking about a lot of these things that you're discussing because um, it seems interesting to me that I think the two biggest names, the people of color in Portland making hip hop music that are getting any attention or were from Portland, I should say, mm-hmm. uh, I'm talking about Amine and Dodger. Mm-hmm. Uh, they both left. Then mm-hmm. they kind of had to. Because, unfortunately, as strong and vibrant as this hip-hop scene is here in Portland, uh, it can't get them that far. And I don't, but and the reason I bring that up is then you contrast that with someone like Wynn, who's this, you hmm. know, blonde white girl from Lake mm-hmm. Oswego going to school in Eugene at U of O. And her first uh, mixtape just came out, which I love, by the way. I should preface that. I love that record. But... Um, yeah, and she's like going to be touring with Earth Gang really soon, right? And going all over the country, and so there is a lot of uh, strange politics still happening here. Even though, like I'm saying, like hip hop is still such a huge thing here in town. I guess for me too, as someone who who has been covering the scene out here for quite a few years, and looking at how it's gone from oh, you know, like, hip-hop shows are getting shut down. Right. Like, at the liquor store and all that kind of stuff to, like, where it is now. And I might kick myself for saying this, but outside of the talent of the artists, part of me feels that that part of why hip-hop is getting, or it's getting bigger out here in Portland is because there are so many allies that are now looking more for black artists. You know what I mean? I do. And that's not to discredit anyone who is making music out here that's a part of the scene. But I also feel like if you're so used to, you know, like the indie scene or like the electronic scene or whatever out here being big and you have artists like Yacht or the Decembrists or whatever who are such like Portland acts as are a lot of the local bands who are just filled with white people. Mm -hmm. And you're looking for something that's different to kind of counteract all of what's going on right now of course you're going to look to the to the hip-hop scene because the the black people who are art that are out here who are making music and making art like this is this is what we're doing and if you want to support them that's what you're gonna look for you know what i mean yeah i do 
Since we're on the subject of hip-hop, like I said, I wanted to forego my turn in this uh, circle of conversation of talking about our favorite records of 2019 to talk about your third pick, Cervante, which was Dante Thomas's latest album, um, Colors. Someone told me sky's the limit, must have never wrote a plane. What you give is what you get, it's the money, hoes, and fame. Could be rich, been broke, it could all go up in flames. Opportunities and reach, gotta see what's in your range, Dante a few months ago and as someone who doesn't really wear a lot of color the two of you can see that I (laughs) basically wear all black and maybe some beige but when you're to me like if you're going to have like a concept or a theme for an album I really want to know why and I asked him like you know what's up with the colors yo you know and he had told me that he has synesthesia so the way that he goes about his songwriting process a lot of it has to do with sounds or thoughts or whatever and how they come forth as colors to him oh wow yeah so like each track is the color that it is because that's how those colors are how he felt when writing those like those lyrics and stuff Wow. Which I just thought was so interesting. Definitely. Especially because I def- I like, I mainly think in black and white and I dream a lot in black and white. So for someone to have such vibrancy, even just in their thoughts, I find to be very interesting. Absolutely. Yeah, Boca was uh, on the first show that I did here for World of Noise. He was one of my guests. And uh, I was really excited to hear about all the things that he and his the produce crew are involved in because mm-hmm. I think they do represent, I think, what needs to happen for the hip-hop scene in Portland is to make their own stuff and to mm-hmm. sort of embed themselves into the culture here in Portland, which a lot of them have, don't get me wrong. But... Um, I think, you know, you do get some artists, like I, I mentioned Dodger before, like she's the mm-hmm. one that's been really making inroads into bigger places where mm-hmm. I think she's got a, a song and a movie soundtrack that just came out not too long ago and she's been working with Mark Ronson and folks like that. And she, was, uh, she had her song on that Euphoria show. That's right, Euphoria. Yeah. I think they're taking some great lessons from uh, hip-hop artists from the past, like Lifesavers and mm-hmm. uh, even... Cool Nuts is another guy mm. that they, you know, they kind of are making their own thing and and sort of sticking their roots in really deep here, which I, I love and appreciate. But I think it's one, I think those two examples that I mentioned, those two artists were from a different era, though, where now it's so much easier for anyone to find this music that who knows what could happen with those guys. They could get the call from, you know, a bigger artist to go on tour with them or something like that just because, uh, yeah, they can't stay quiet here forever. Right. You know? Are there... Uh, are there any parallels between this and like the Portland comedy scene? It's kind of no. I think that's very true. I, I mean, that's yeah. kind of what it's kind of sounds like. Yeah, that's a really good observation. Yeah, there's a, there's some definite parallels there because, yeah, any of the the 
the Portland comedians that get to a certain level, they're like, well, yeah, then they're there's gone. a ceiling yeah, they and leave. they got to get yeah. out of here if they're going to do anything. Yeah. You know, right. Like Ian Carmel and Curtis Cook, Amy yeah. Miller, you know, they're all taken off for bigger and better things mm-hmm. and good on them. And I would love to see that happen, but I would also hate to lose those artists yeah. here. You right. know, like, yeah. I, you know, it kind of, it kind of stings a little bit that Dodger has left for LA and I know it's her hometown. She missed it and all, but she was just, you know, such an amazing figure here. She told me that she'll be back. So I I'm, believe it. I'm, I'm banking on that for sure. <laughs> but yes, uh, Dante Thomas's "Colors" an amazing record. The the roots here are deep. You know, like Boca's from Troutdale, and then you have like <laughs> right. Mike Capes, who's from St. John's, yeah. and like you know, like there, it's here. But I feel like it's long been ignored, and now really is a time where they're kind of forcing people to pay attention. Yeah. And not in a negative way. It's like no. this is this is really their time. It's kind of unavoidable at this yeah. point. Yeah, because I, you know, even when when you get like City Hall setting aside days to celebrate hip hop in Portland, uh, that says enough right there of like how huge this music is to the culture, not just in Portland but worldwide. Well, I'm going to jump in here to talk about one of my uh, favorite records of 2019, and I'm going to talk about a jazz record uh, by a saxophone player, Rich Halley who has been playing here in Portland. He's one of those guys that's been here in Portland for 20 years plus, been playing in a ton of different groups and playing all over the city and uh, getting a lot of respect around the world, I think. And another parallel to what we're talking about with hip-hop, he's one of those guys that I think really made his name here in Portland and started getting a lot of attention from touring acts who were coming through, seeing this guy and playing with him and Mm -hmm. realizing what his skill level was. Mm -hmm. Uh, But he put out a record this year called Terra Incognita, record i think uh and for me it was the exciting part for this jazz listener uh was that the piano player in this record is matthew ship a guy who is from new york who has been sort of a, the backbone of the uh independent uh avant-garde jazz scene in new york and and has got a lot of respect in europe putting out records over there and yeah an amazing musician and having those two playing together and bouncing off one another on this record was really really powerful to me and all improvised too i always i don't know why that that just kills me every time listening to those records like how are you guys doing this like watching jazz musicians live it's like i I do not have the head for this i wish i did so badly to be able to play like that and just be able to you know jump on a dime in different directions but that's just not the way i work i don't know it's definitely a special kind of talent yeah i feel that way about improv comedy too i'm just i'm just not that quick on my feet and especially to be able to when it comes to like improv jazz i guess to be able to come up with these sounds and then vibe so well with the people that you're playing with that you all can just improvise something together. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Yeah. Well, let's move on to JBJ's final pick. We really want to go there. I do really <laughs> want to go there. This is the, this this this, this could take up the bulk of the show here. Uh, this this is conversation. Been, well, oh. this has been such a show about discovery and uh, and uh, 
to talk about Slater Kinney is, uh, you know, kind of feels, I don't know, maybe anticlimactic or something. Yeah. Not necessarily. I just hey, think there's a lot this, to talk about with this record. This but young new band, <laughs> you should go check out. These hot whippersnappers, Slater They're Kinney. They're going to be a big thing soon. <laughs> so, I have my feelings about this record. JBJ, why, why did this one hit you so hard this year? Uh, so, uh, that phrase you just said, I have my own feelings about this record. Very telling, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> too had my own feelings about this record maybe going in or maybe like first or second listens yeah. like a kind of like reading a lot of stuff at the same time as I was uh, you know my my first exposure to this record I really feel like on subsequent listens that um, I came around I was yeah. like wait there's there is something compelling here for one thing, just for me, uh, again, it's it's more subject matter talking about uh, the times we live, the end times, basically. <laughs> we're we're in the end times, people. <laughs> yeah. Sure, feels that way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, so uh, the subject matter is uh, definitely there. the The writing, uh, I did a little more reading uh, prior to this, and. Um, and read an interview with with uh, Carrie Brownstein and Corinne Tucker, and uh, hearing them shed a little more light on the record, uh, really, uh, what they said jived with me, which is uh, they're more vulnerable on this record than than they have been on previous records. Really, the previous records hmm. were all about uh, kicking ass and and empowerment. And um, they're talking more about, they're kind of opening up and talking about uh, inner, inner turmoil as well. How much of that is a reaction to the book that Carrie Brownstein wrote um, that I think was called Hunger Makes Me a Modern Girl and Corin Tucker's solo records that she did where she was also diving into more personal stuff on her Corin Tucker band records, if those had an impact on those at all. I feel like, and maybe I'm wrong, but I could have swore that I read something a few weeks ago that was saying that this record was one of the first that really had or they didn't want Janet Weiss to really contribute to. Yeah, this. I mean, so, that's that's the, the that's the big uh, sticking point about this record. Yeah, the elephant yeah. in the room for this record was Janet Weiss and her leaving the band yeah, right thanks, before the record came out. Yeah, yeah, thanks for talking about the elephant in the room. Cause, yeah. cause, <laughs> no, because it is a it, it's a it's a thing. I mean, it's part it's, of the story of this yeah. 
of this record when I first sat down to it was was you know Janet. Why did Janet leave the band? And I got a lot. She played on the record. Yeah, yeah. Um, she played on the record. There was uh, the other big uh, element of this record was the fact that they're working with Saint Vincent as the producer mm-hmm. for this. Yeah, how much of that sound that Saint Vincent has got. Uh, for lack of a better term, spot welded on to what Slater Kinney does for this. You know, I, I said this on Twitter and I got a lot of crap about this, about Janet leaving the band. And my feeling was, it was like, you know, because of how synthetic a lot of this record sounds, especially the, the rhythms and the drum beats, mm-hmm. like, I, um, I don't want to disparage her as a, as a drummer, but I wonder if it was like a technical thing. Like, you know, how much can I play these songs to the best of my abilities if I'm worried about a click track that I have to be listening to mm-hmm. or playing along with the synthesizer line that's arpeggiated with, you know, that's that's a difficult thing for any drummer to do. I'm a drummer myself. It's mm-hmm. a difficult thing to do. I That's why I never could do it. Um, but that was my initial feeling about it. Now, like after reading more about it and like hearing the uh, interview that she, that Janet Weiss gave to the trap set, a podcast all about drummers Mm. and talking about the friction that was going on as they're making the record where she was like, you know, I, I think is what you were talking about where she wanted to contribute more than like, well, we don't really want you to contribute more because this is kind of our record. It's, it's a really, it's a really disappointing thing to hear, especially considering that she had been in the band like 20 years by that point. Right. Yeah. You know, her first, uh, first, first appearance was Dig Me Out, which was out in like 96, 97, somewhere in there. And yeah, it feels just like a, a slap in the face to all that she's contributed to that band and done for that band. It kind of reminds me of, uh, like she got Spinderella'd like what happened with there you go Salt and Pepper wow. and Spinderella it's just like she's been such a to me like an integral part as far as when I first got into Sleater Kinney and then I read an uh, interview that she did with Brooklyn Vegan and mm-hmm. she was saying and it was just it was so sad to read because she was just like just how heartbroken she was to be told that her contributions weren't wanted when yeah you know I just I couldn't even imagine yeah, she asked if she was an equal member of the band, and they said, no, no. you're not an equal member of the band. Oh. How? How is that possible? Yeah. I mean, you listen to any of the records before this, like how much her drumming made those songs better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you even compared to the first Slater Kinney, like the 10-inch they put out, the 7-inch they put out very early on, much different feel to that to those records. And then Dig Me Out comes along, or oh, she was, was she on Call the Doctor? I don't remember. I don't think she was. I think Dig Me Out was the first one. So she wasn't on Call the Doctor. She was on Dig Me Out. That's the first record she was on. Yeah. And like, what a huge leap. I mean, Call yeah. the Doctor was a great record, but Dig Me Out was like a huge leap forward for them. And they just kept doing that record after record. Mm-hmm. And even to the last one, No Cities to Love. Um, and this one... I didn't love it as much as you did, but, you know, uh, and I don't know if that's part of it because I was expecting that or, like, expecting her contributions to be so integral to it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I feel like when I started listening, I I was letting that kind of color my uh, thinking about the the record. Yeah. But uh, over time, I found myself really enjoying these songs despite all the drama (laughs) <laughs> that's you know the, around the around the record. Did I interview see Sleater Kenny when they played here at the Crystal? They played a couple shows. No, no. I didn't mm-hmm. either. I was really curious to see how anyone felt about those shows. I, the only report that I read on Willamette Week was a little lukewarm about the show. So I'm really curious how other people might have yeah, felt did read about that it. Too. Um, you know, I think that record. I think 
took the wind out of their sails a little bit as far as like where they stood as far as in stature here in Portland. Because mm-hmm. I think yeah. Oh, yeah. up to this point, they were kind of like the band of Portland, despite like how successful other artists like Portugal the Man had gotten over the last couple of years because of that one single mm-hmm. and how uh, that's probably the biggest the other biggest band in Portland is those guys Portugal the Man right I would think so Um, or maybe Modest Mouse but I don't know they really consider themselves a Portland band or not anymore Um, that yeah they kind of took them down a couple pegs in stature in that way and it leads me to think of the question of of who who is at the top of the heap then in Portland as far as like commercially and culturally speaking I mean my vote would be Oh, I don't even know. No, I'm even stuck on it. My my, my right. first thought was Yob. Like I think is the last record that Yob did was such a huge uh, step forward for that band, just in terms of both how it sounded and the subject matter of the record. Consider what Mike Scheidt was talking about about right. his health issues and coming right. back from the brink. Um, but any of the other like really big bands that we have here in town, the Decemberists is the other example I can think of. Their last record was not that great, you know. It was all we're going to be an '80s band now. That's not really what you guys sound like. That's not that's not what works for you guys. No. No. So, gosh, now I'm really thinking though too, because I feel like each like each genre probably has their their big Portland band. That's, yeah, you know, right. and like metal has Yob. Hip hop had Dodger. Um, and you you bring up Portugal the man. I just I just I think about John's uh, Instagram feed and just like how they are on social media. Yeah. And as far as I mean, what, what indie? I guess kind I, of alt alt rock. Alt, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, it's it's probably <laughs> they get played in the alt rock station here in town all the time. At least that one song. Oh gosh, I you know and. No shade, but age-old Portugal, the man, will always be some of the the best music ever, I will say. And I saw them when I was in high school. They came down, they played the Glass House in Pomona, because I went to high school in Southern California. Wow, yes. the Glass House. And it was one of the best shows I've ever seen in my life to this day. And I was like 16. Wow. So I must have been, what, like... I don't know how to do math. 14 years ago. <laughs> but that's amazing, though. But And to, to think of where they're at now, where I saw them six months ago opening up for Mumford & Sons at the Moda Center, wow. which is the craziest thing in the world. Just like knowing, because like someone, I posted a picture of them online and Nate C, who we're talking about, mm-hmm. Nate Carson, sent me a picture of a, of a flyer of a show that he booked with those guys playing at the Tube. Oh my god! Tiny bar downtown, and I was like, I, and I shared that with with John in the banks. I actually, you know, and I wait. Hey, they've been here. They've been here the whole time. Yeah, they're, they're from here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I just yeah. assumed they were one of those relocation bands. I don't. I don't know the full story there, yeah. but there's such a they. They are like really uh, steering into the the Portland aspect of that mm-hmm. of of what they uh, what am I their identity as a band mm-hmm. and I think that show was the, the best example of that because all the guys on stage were wearing personalized Blazers jerseys over their clothes <laughs> nice. at the very end of the show they brought up Blaze the Cat the Blazers dancers um, I think 
That's so I think, good. I think the mascot from the the, the Hillsborough Hops, or might have been the Portland Pickles, whatever. And it was just like this crazy. They were shooting, you know, uh, had a T-shirt cannon firing T-shirts into the crowd and stuff like that, and like all this stuff. They have all these this thing where they do on tour where they're having all these messages behind them as they as they play, mm-hmm. and they're all like you know making Portland references wow. to things like remember this guy who was on public access cable in the nineties. It's like what you bring up Jim Spag? Wow. Like who's thought about that guy <laughs> in twenty five years? Are you kidding yeah. me? So, uh, you know, I I don't know if that's like a self-conscious part of their success of just trying to, you know, remind everybody, hey, we're from here. We're still cool people. But, yeah. you know, we are kind of big band now. You know? yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah. So we, we there's no real consensus answer about like oh, yeah, the Portland band now that Slater Kinney's been can knock down a couple of pegs. OK, well, but I think that says a lot about where the scene is right now. It's a little more scattered. It kind of has yeah. been for the last like 10, 15 years, but maybe even more so nowadays. But, you know, we talk about the, the hip hop scene being as rich as it is now. Maybe that's the place where people should really start paying attention. But I also, feel, and I'm probably wrong, but <laughs> I also feel like there isn't necessarily like this big push to be the biggest act out here. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like right. that type of like more mainstream like success was you know people were more for that like seven to ten years ago maybe sure but like now it's more about like more like richer connections i feel like i could see that you know i mean i don't know maybe that's just the people that i hang around with it sounds like (laughs) what you're saying is like rock and roll fame is different than now than what it was i think so maybe maybe musicians aspirations are different now than what they were back then yeah because you know having like a big being a big you know success yeah it's a lot different like it, there's almost no middle class for the musicians anymore it's either you're playing in the indie level and digging in that way or you are Portugal the man level success you yeah. know? right and we're even like you know I mean, I mentioned the Decemberists already. It's not like the Decemberists can just coast on the fact that they are in the Decemberists and not do anything else. You know, Colin Malloy's got his book projects. Chris Funk is recording mm-hmm. bands and doing all sorts of stuff. You, right. you know, it's again, you know, uh, a reflective of our culture right now about how many of us are doing like 12 different things at once, says the guy who's exhausted all the time yeah. from working on these health projects and having a Same. day job. So, yeah, <laughs> you know, Cervante. <laughs> um, <laughs> I won't belabor the point since we've we've run quite long about talking about my third record. I'll play some of it at the end here, uh, which is Marcus Fisher and Burt Jam's uh, collaboration Venitas, which was released in April this year. Marcus Fisher, I think one of the greatest uh, ambient experimental musicians going here in Portland right now, who's had a big year. He's had a couple of pieces in the Whitney Biennial, the big... Uh, Oh, you know, once every other year art event in New York. And he had a couple of uh, sound art pieces in there and is just on another level right now. So I'll play some of that on the way out. But Cervante, you said picking three records is a difficult thing. And maybe this is for you as well, John, like picking just three records to talk about is a difficult thing. If you have like runners up other records that you that could have taken the spot. Oh, my God. Yes. Um, (laughs) Well, I would be I would kick myself if I didn't mention Kayla J's Dyke. Oh, yeah. Don't yield, keep enduring. As a 
kid I wasn't ungrateful, it's just I felt sad like there was pain in my chest I was thinking about stuff that's insane And I couldn't get lost and I run through my brain And the rest up in my sleep I could get them to hush But in my dreams they manifested And they turned into demons and tried to kill me Cause they knew in real life I didn't have the guts What's the press? Great, and the story behind that I also interviewed her about this and I think it's and I guess for me as a black woman I I can relate to her a lot because a lot of the things that she struggled with emotionally like depression um, trying to come into her own like sexuality and sexual identity and opening up and admitting that and accepting it within herself all of that is like written throughout the record and it's not something that is really widely talked about within the black community. There's actually like it's a stigma true. to kind of keep that stuff to yourself. So for her to write a whole album about it, and it's kind of written in sections like part of it is about sadness, part of it's about anger, and part of it, the last part is about love. And she says that that part is still in development, so it might carry on into albums after this. But I just thought that, that was conceptually like it really hit home for me. You know, and then I mean, I also have to mention Chromatics. I don't even know if they still live here anymore. But that, I'm not sure about that either. But the, that's, I still a consider, Portland, that's a Portland band for I me. I still consider them a Portland band. Yeah, yeah. I, I was just listening to that record today, and I like that uh, that uh, little Simon and Garfunkel little yeah. like opener. That's a good opener. <laughs> I thought that was just so cute. Yeah. Hello, darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk with you again. Because a vision softly creeping Left its seeds while I was sleeping And, the- and um, oh my god. And I don't know, I, I think Luz still lives here, but Ila Bamba's, no? She's gone no way. To- She's in Mexico now. Oh, that's right, that's right. Yeah. Guadalajara, right? I'm not well, sure. Luz I should Elena? hear this. Wow. Lucelena is in Mexico now. Right. Yeah. Wow. I heard that she moved. Good for her, though. Well, was it Entre ant- anyway. Los Dos? I'm so bad at Span- oh, Spanish. Yeah. But entre, that entre, entre Los Dos. Los- yes. Entre Los Dos. Entre Los Dos. <laughs> That record is, I think that came out this year, Mujeres. Yeah, it yeah. did. It mm-hmm. came That's out an really, incredible really piece in of work. Yes. You know? Like, they're a band that I it kind of liked but didn't love and was kind of like, eh. And then I heard the title track of that and was like, who is this band? That's powerful. Right. Never heard. Like, what yeah. is this? This is amazing. And then mm-hmm. I found yeah. Azila Bob. I'm like, wow, they might, yeah. might be the best band in the world now. But I feel that way every week about another different band. No offense, Azila <laughs> Bob, but it's, that's the way my mind works. But yeah, a great record.
you have any other runners up there, JBJ? You know, I, I probably would have talked about uh, the Dolphin Midwives record. Oh, yeah. Oh. Liminal, Liminal Garden. Mm-hmm. It's it's hard to talk about. Uh, it's hard to talk in the same way about uh, ambient music or music that's not doesn't have words. And I'm so used to listening to like song based albums that mm-hmm. like that. You know, I don't even know how to. I don't even know the vocabulary or putting it in the same. I just I listen to this record a lot, um, but it's like it's a like a utilitarian thing. It's like uh, it's good to listen to late at night, mm-hmm. or, or yeah, it's like a a bedroom album, or you know, yeah. ambient serves ambient music serves kind of a function, yeah, right, uh, more functional than you know than if we're listening to Dodger, or, yeah, you know, Slater Kinney, or and I think whatever. that 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 third album that I picked, the Marcus Fisher Bergsham record, serves that yes. purpose as yeah. well. And I think that's honestly, listening to the Dolphin Midwives record, that's kind of what she was going for. Uh, just being able to work in different modes. And uh, because I think she considers her music uh, the healing properties of her music is what is foremost in her mind. Mm-hmm. Both for herself and anyone listening to it. Yeah. Uh, which I think comes across in a huge way on Liminal Garden. Uh, it's a fantastic record. Great choice. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it, uh, it's causing some controversy in my marriage because uh, when, when I when I, <laughs> TMI. <laughs> yeah, it's like, wow. Okay, really breaking uh, down here. My wife loves the 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 pleasant harp stuff. Yeah, and then uh, you know, even in even in one even in one track, it'll start out beautiful mm-hmm. and then quickly just completely <laughs> degrade. And, yeah. <laughs> but that's so great though. I, I love it. Oh, yeah. yeah. But yeah, but like we're getting to, we're, we're coming to it with two different intentions, even, you know, like, <laughs> right. Yeah. So I felt that way too about uh, a lot of like groupers records too. Totally. It's the yeah. same kind of vibe. Yeah. saw both Grouper and Dolphin Midwives at, at two different times at Treefort and they played uh, there's like a contemporary like I don't remember the name of it yeah it was like an art the- it was like a theater place yeah, yeah. And it's yeah. only like backlit with like a big blue light and I believe uh, their name is Sage is Dolphin Midwives yes. real name like just sitting on the floor just like they were diddling with stuff just you wouldn't ex- 
It's just not what you expect. Yeah. It's but not. in the best way. Yeah. yeah. When you're listening to this record and then you see it live and and they're like, you know, she's like leaving the harp and like fiddling. Yeah. And then yeah, it's it's yeah, it's it's kind of jarring in a way. It's not yeah, it's not what you like you said, it's not what you expect. Right. <laughs> I, I saw the I saw her set at Treefort as well at that theater. It was yeah, really incredible. But she, I don't know her sets are always incredible. Sage Fisher's right. Dolphin Midwives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even Grouper for that matter. When I've seen her perform or under the the new project name that I can't think of that she's playing under now that she played at TBA Fest this year under that name. Um, yeah. It is a great time to be a music fan here in Portland. A great time to be a listener. A great time to be a writer about music, which mm-hmm. I know you know, Cervante. Yeah. Uh, great time to you know have your show, JBJ, which I love listening to every Thursday at three p.m. here on X Ray. Look at you doing I that, love doing a good that play. thing. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk quickly about what comes next for both of you for the new year. Do you have anything Ooh. on the horizon besides schoolwork for you, Cervante? Uh, <laughs> I. Th- <laughs> Probably, yes, I will say. Um, I do marketing work for Warner Music. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I guess uh, I'm still going to be doing that. Okay. (laughs) Um, And then I'm really just trying to get it, like, get out to more fests and cover more stuff. But there's always stuff on my, there's the horizon it's is vast. always full. It's yes. vast. Yes. Is there a show that's coming up next year, early next year, that you know about that you're particularly excited about? Oh my goodness. Um, I would say yes to that too. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of which one. I'm just like I always go through like my Google Calendar, and uh, it's just yeah, in the same way. Full. What about you, JBJ? What is coming up? Do you have anything booked for the first part of the year on Hello Cruel World? Gosh, no. But uh, the the big the. I think January is going to be a Bonnie Light Horseman month for me. Oh, nice! The the, the records coming out on the January twenty fourth, and they're, they're playing Mississippi Studios around the same time. Remind me who is in Bonnie Light Horseman. So it's uh, Anais Mitchell, who um, who's who's got a Broadway production going on right now. Broadway, like, Broadway Hades Hades Town. great singer songwriter. Yeah, yeah, so a singer songwriter who made a name for herself. Uh, uh, taking taking this uh, album that she made uh, and then turning it into a musical off Broadway and then it going to Broadway and then she just won she won all kinds of, I think she whatever the she was nominated for Tony yeah. I don't know that she won but I yeah. think she did win some like you know uh, drama desk or OB awards or something like that for hmm. this so, production yeah. so this is her first project post uh, Hades Town and it's uh, her and Eric Johnson of the Fruit Bats Oh. Very and excited. They played a great set at Pickathon that yeah, I saw. Yeah. yeah, I saw it, loved it. Uh, I'm a huge Anais Mitchell fan. Um, and I'm also like a huge Fruit Bats fan now, too. I, I, that record they released this year was uh, really, really catchy. Nice. Yeah. So, a lot to look forward to. Yeah, Bonnie Light Horseman. Uh, call me. Cervante Pope, JBJ, thank you so much for being on World of Noise to talk about the year in music here in Portland. Yeah. Thanks I, for having yeah, me. Yeah, thank you. All right. That about does it for this edition of World of Noise. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at WONXRay. And if you missed any part of the show and want to catch up with this week's episode, you can do just that by subscribing to the World of Noise podcast. Head over to xraypod.com or your favorite podcast distributor to hear this and all the past episodes of the show. Once again, thank you so much for listening to the show. 
and we'll see you in 2020.